welcome to Align Your Mind. My name is Chelsea Tanner. I'm a flutist and a mindset coach. And when I started this journey of mindset coaching and coaching in general, um, I had been a couple years into reading self-help books. And I know that they're such a popular genre because we all want answers and I think we need to be really curious and careful with how we intake information and what we do with it and how we use it and today we're talking about when self-help doesn't help (laughs) and I think that I, I personally would like to share a little bit about my own journey on self-help and you know the idea that being productive and efficient and all of these things that we we talk about and aspire to a lot in our culture how those things are to be questioned and how we can know if information we take in is right for us and whether we should follow it or not so I got into self-help. I think the first self-help book that I read was in 2016 in the fall. And I bought this book called You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. And I really kind of fell in love with the genre from there. Um, I apologize for any street noise, but I live in New York City and that's what we got. (laughs) Um, so if you hear street noise and you're not driving, like it's me, sorry, (laughs) I'm the problem. (laughs) And so back to Jen Sincero, she wrote a book called You Are a Badass. It was really popular around 2016. My roommate at the time suggested it to me and I started reading it. I read the whole thing. I loved how inspiring it was. I think I became a bit addicted to how inspiring those books can be, right? Because it it basically explains kind of a different way of being in the world that seems so much better than the place you're in. Most people don't read self-help books when they like feel amazing, right? <laughs> I mean, for themselves. I read them more now for my mindset coaching business and to learn things and perspectives. And I'm so interested in all of that personally. Um, I don't apply everything that I read for myself because that would be wild. Um, But I think that there's some things to keep in mind when you read these books. Usually when you pick up a self help book you're trying to help yourself obviously right you want answers we all just want answers we want directions we want to know what to do and how to do it and there is no how it's kind of the first kind of fallacy right there is no how we don't we don't know how to get from point a to point b being you you're the human not that other human who did it right it's really important to remember that you're going to learn how to do whatever you're setting out to do along the way and trying stuff and putting yourself out there and 
all of that stuff is actually what is going to get you there. I think self-help gives people perspectives that can be really useful and applied in a lot of different ways. However, when I was at the peak of reading self-help books, I think I was like deep into Tony Robbins at this point and I was like, okay, like, yeah, I'm gonna eat X amount of calories a day on this really strict diet and I'm gonna work out and I'm gonna do all those things. I'm gonna do it perfectly and if I do everything I say every day perfectly, then I get to put a post-it on my wall. It got very perfectionisty, right? And I was thinking back at that time, I was really sad. I was pretty depressed and I needed something to help get me out. I was like kind of grabbing for anything. And at that point, I had such a terrible relationship with my myself and my body that everything, every little mistake I made, I try to punish myself in some way for, right? Like I did not have a loving relationship with myself in any way. If someone was like, yo, I love yourself. I'd be like, shut up (laughs) like my myself back then would look at my now self and be like what are you talking about I just need to be the best flute player ever and need to get into these competitions and win these auditions and then I'll like think about whatever that means right you know and so many of us operate that way until we get tired and just burn out and and then we're stuck burnt out and hating ourselves (laughs) and that sounds bleak and it is and I'm not going to sugarcoat that it is bleak and if you've been through it you know at, at various levels right so I started to really reflect recently on why that time in my life felt like I really needed help and I and I did for a lot of reasons but my way out of it I thought at the time, which I think so many of us think this, is like, if I could be perfect enough, whatever that means, right? But my brain really thought this, like, if I could be successful enough, then I, like, everything would be fixed, right? Like, if I, like, worked out enough and what looked a certain way and, um, you know, acted a certain way and had a certain job and I, like, checked all of these boxes, then I would feel good like that's how I was solving for it but that's never how you solve for an emotion right because all of that self I don't want to say self-loathing that seems dramatic but it really was that right and I've been I've been noticing how much I I sometimes sugarcoat really terrible emotions when I don't think we should I think we should really state how bad it felt so I will state how bad it felt it was horrible it was self-hatred basically and that will never lead to a positive result because your feelings like hate or loathing or disgust of yourself like those things are not caused by you existing they're caused by the thoughts in your brain and how your brain is interpreting yourself and that's what's making you feel right so it's not 
your fault either, right? So when when you have some thoughts about yourself, like all of my thoughts about myself at that time were terrible. <laughs> they were they felt so bad to think, right? And so I thought that if I could just fix all the things that were wrong with me, then I would have better thoughts. But here's the thing, practice thoughts become beliefs, right? So you cannot tell yourself you're terrible at something enough times to be good at it and then confident at it, right? It's just not going to happen. You think you're terrible at something, you say it in your head a bunch of times, even if it's to motivate yourself to get better at that thing, you're not going to have the emotional outcome you want, right? You might have like a, a logistical outcome that works, right? Like you can shame yourself into practicing for years and like you can get somewhere. I've done it. We've all done it. <laughs> but at the end of the day, that left me with a full-time professor job at that time and feeling worse than I ever have, right? So I think that it's really important to remember that self-help if you don't have a good relationship with yourself and you are disciplining yourself in a way that's shaming yourself and talking terribly to yourself and dis- disciplining yourself by harsh criticisms and trash talk, like that is totally counterproductive because that is increasing the amount of emotional struggle and suffering you're going to go through which is what you wanted to solve in the first place, right? So I wanted to offer that because I think we have sometimes, this is something I struggle with very much, this idea that if I were just perfect, then everything would be better. Like then I would have the job and then I would have this relationship or then I would have this X, Y, and Z, right? Like if I were perfect, then everything else would work out now obviously we know that that's not how it works and I think that we can use self-help against ourselves sometimes when we think oh if I were just like perfect at habits when I read atomic habits then I wouldn't have to worry about feeling bad or if I were just you know really diligent about my my habits and they would compound and the compound effect <laughs> like I'm re- like looking at my bookshelf and seeing all the self-help books that are there but if if we see that what's under that motivation is self-loathing then we've already lost if it's desperation to feel better and differently We'll just spin in that until we get too tired to care, right? So I think that whenever you want to change something about your life, about your practice routine, about something, anything, really reflect on why. Is it because you want to feel better? Because actions don't create feelings thoughts do 
Now, I will say there is obviously so much research on the fact that like exercise, for example, makes you feel physically better and mentally better. But if you're exercising from a place of self-punishment, that is not healthy either, right? So really understanding your motivations when it comes to all of these things. If you are exercising from a place of self-love and you know that it's gonna the day is gonna go better if you exercise then that's amazing and you're taking care of yourself in that way even though you might not want to go for a run in the in the moment you know but I think that whenever we try to do something new or have a goal really wonder what what's it gonna feel like when you accomplish that goal what do you think it's gonna do for you Right, Because whenever we have some sort of goal that seems really big, like winning an audition, this stuff really gets wrapped up in this. What would it mean to have a title? To be able to introduce yourself as someone with a big job. Right, We, we fantasize about that. And we think that it's not possible to feel established and validated and important unless... We have that job, but that's just not true, right? It's just not true because you can just literally think about what that would feel like, borrow all of those thoughts that you would have about yourself and start practicing them now. They're free. It's literally free. Go, go do that exercise. Literally write down in a journal, how would I think and feel about myself when I finally get that job and really brainstorm this and then all of those thoughts and feelings you get to create now I want to read a quote from Matt Haig's book called The Comfort Book I really love this book and I you know I think I read it a couple years ago but this chapter it's very short it's a paragraph and it's called Pizza The sky isn't more beautiful if you have perfect skin. Music doesn't sound more interesting if you have a six-pack. Dogs aren't better company if you're famous. Pizza tastes good regardless of your job title. The best of life exists beyond the things we are encouraged to crave. And I love that so much. It's such a good reminder, right? Like, happiness can be created, laughter, joy, at any time, at any moment, right? It's not conducive to you being a certain way or looking a certain way or having a certain job or doing a certain thing, right? It's always possible to feel the gamut of human emotion, at any point and I think this is such a good reminder too of like when you get the job and things don't feel less stressful they feel more stressful and you feel like more of an imposter somehow right and that is so real too right so it's really good to remember that the opposite's true as well like you can still feel bad things when you have checked all the boxes and then what do you do 
then it becomes less about what you're doing and more about how you treat yourself, how you think, and how you feel. I think one of the reasons why these self-help books feel so aspirational and kind of incredible to read I still love them I do I think I've listened to you are a badass on audible like 10 times I'm not even kidding I became a little bit obsessed and same with any of you know other self-help books too I think that whenever we think oh my gosh yes once I get to that point it's going to be amazing and when I get there, I'm going to feel like this. And we're already kind of feeling like it ahead of time. We're getting a little bit of a high off of thinking about the future. I think, though, that what these books kind of fail to mention sometimes is that once you get to that place, you don't stop having problems, right? Like you don't stop having issues. You don't gain confidence and then all of a sudden you're confident for the rest of your life forever, like you've figured out a puzzle or something, right? It's a feeling just like happiness or sadness or joy or grief or anything else that just comes and goes, right? So I think really cultivating a relationship with yourself, coming from a place where you know that you have your best interest in mind and you could remain the same as you are today with everything that has happened and you would be okay like that is powerful full acceptance of where you are right now holy moly and that's not in self-help books because that seems hard for most people right people conflate permission with acceptance if I accept myself how I am I'll never get off the couch I'm like I'm pretty sure that's not true I'm pretty sure that you're on the couch because you're telling yourself you're terrible and you can't do anything right <laughs> like I feel like whenever we don't give ourselves the benefit of the doubt like that you know maybe productivity does slow down just a little bit so until you figure out how to positively you know motivate yourself and discipline yourself right in a way that's not punish filled right and there's this learning period where that happens but whenever I suggest to my clients that they fully accept where they are right now with everything going on they're like I can't do that like I can't (laughs) and I understand that the the mode that most people are in is okay I'm going to invalidate myself so I'm motivated to then work towards something better right but then you get in a habit of invalidating yourself so you get better and you don't feel that validation right so keep that in mind you're allowed to validate yourself every day it's like it's like think about training a dog like it okay I don't know if this analogy is gonna work but think about training a dog you give the dog treats you don't punish it by like depriving it or something right you they get like an instant reward they know they did a good job we're not so dissimilar from that right so it's really taking ownership of the fact that if you're in a cycle of self-discipline where you're so hard on yourself that 
you can't even fathom accepting where you are in your life even in the greater context like let's say like I'm about to be 32 like if I was just like this is not acceptable I'm probably focusing on like the next month or two (laughs) I'm not thinking this is unacceptable for my whole life however long that might be right if I've got 50 years left okay, that's a long time. Maybe I'll get out of where I am right now, (laughs) right? Which is why zooming out is so great. And there's an episode on zooming out that I did um, a few months ago, if you are interested in that. But zooming out, really being able to see and have compassion for yourself and witness yourself in a loving way instead of shaming yourself, like that's the stuff, These self-help books don't always address this in a way that maybe they should. If you, like, try all these new habits, but they're motivated with self-hatred, it's just not, it's not the move, you know? And I wanted to mention this because we get into these like perfectionist fantasies of like, oh my gosh, when I do this or that's going to be perfect. And if it feels good (laughs) and not scary to win an orchestra job in your mind, like I would be scared. I would. I would be nervous. I would be nervous. And I have all the tools and I know I would still be nervous. And that's okay. But I think it's really important to have a realistic view. If you think one thing is gonna, that's outside of you is going to solve all your problems, it's just not going to. And um, this is a little bit more of a rant-style podcast today. Uh, but I think it's really important to think about how are you motivating yourself with these tools, with these books, with these practice strategies, with these practice logs and calendars and all of these things that are meant to help us but fueled with the wrong emotions actually really work against us and I want to mention one more thing and that is when we read these books we are operating under the assumption that there is something wrong with the situation we're in Right? If we want to change something, I think it's worth thinking about, is this actually a problem? <laughs> like, is it actually a problem that I, well, in my case, it's that I fall asleep around 9.30 or 10 and get up early to do work? Or is it a problem that you stay up late? Is it a problem? Or is it just something that society has told you is wrong? I think really considering that is really helpful because there's nothing actually wrong usually right if we're trying to create new habits where we're trying to do new things or compound wealth or i don't know whatever we talk about in self-help books is there anything wrong with where you are now and if so is that a hundred percent true And it usually never is. 
there's always something right about where you are too. Something okay about where you are. And it's not all wrong. So I wanted to mention that too because there is this assumption so much of the time that if we're not the most productive or the most, I don't know, efficient or whatever, that there's something wrong and wrong with us. And that's just not inherently true. That's why the self-acceptance piece is so important. So I hope what you take away from this is reflecting on why you want to help yourself. What do you want to change and why? Is it how you feel? Probably. (laughs) Is it how you're doing something? And if so, like, what will that do for you? Asking yourself, what will that do for you? Right? That's a great question to ask. And if you're trying to solve for an emotion with like a career accomplishment, maybe we should talk. This is absolutely what I help all my clients with. And if you want to sort this out in a 45-minute preliminary call, they're absolutely free. So um, bring all of the things you want to change. Bring everything. And I, I hope I see you there. I also hope you have a beautiful week. Take care.